You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul begins his discussion of Cain and Abel, explaining the famous phrase, sin is couching at the door. He also reiterates the importance of the Hebrew word yalad, noting that it can only be used in conjunction with the woman, an important point lost in translation. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. This passage is important, again, in the original and only in the original, because the translations, I don't know whether they massacre it or they have no choice but to massacre it. That's the way it is, unfortunately. This part is the beginning of that chapter which ends the Toledot of the heavens and the earth and prepares for the Toledot of Adam in chapter 5. We shall see how the rest of the chapter also hinges, connects. So it's a central chapter in that sense. It ends 2-3 and prepares for 5. And one can see it right from the beginning that Cain is not only born, but even conceived outside the Garden of Eden. Remember, only the man and Eve lived in the Garden, not any of us. So all these dreams of going back to the Garden and so on, they are fallacious. We have to go to... Zion, the new Jerusalem. But again, Cain behaves outside the garden the way his father behaved in the garden. This is clear from the end of verse 2, where Cain is presented as being tiller of the ground, but as I explained, servant of the ground. So it's very important. Now I'm stressing Cain for a very simple reason that Abel does not have a function in this story except the fact that he is a shepherd of flock and he makes an offering out of the firstlings to God. But he does not deal with Cain. It is Cain who deals with Abel and kills him. So it is as though Abel appears and disappears. Not much about him. One cannot write a story, a novella, a play on Abel. It's impossible. The actor is Cain and he is the one who kills his brother, He is the one with whom God deals. He is the one who founds a city and has a genealogy and so on. Abel just appears and disappears. 
And this is reflected in his name, the meaning of his name. Hebel is the passing breath. The same word occurs very often in the book of Ecclesiastes and means vanity, vanity of vanities, vanity. It's empty, there is nothing there. And that is very important because the story here is not a hallmark card story about brotherly love and brotherly concern. It is actually the duty of any human being that is represented through Cain to deal with any of his like, be they of no value. It doesn't matter. He is responsible for his actions towards them. And this is the basis on which he is judged by God in dealing with something totally passing of no value. So let's concentrate on Cain. Chapter 4 begins with We have a nominal phrase, a nominal sentence. It's like Genesis 1-2. The topic is Adam, the verb is secondary, but still the action is there that he knew Hawa, the mother of all living, who is Ishto, his wife, the way he decided to name her. With this, we have a preparation for the end of the chapter in 425, where we hear that Adam knew again his wife. And I shall comment on it in its place. But it's very important to notice this connection, and we shall see why when I get to 425, especially through this again, he knew again. So here, Adam, the man, the Adam, knew his wife, and she conceived, and she gave birth, what tailed, very important verb. I shall make my comments on it at the beginning of chapter 6, and even at the end of 4 and the beginning of 5. She is the one who gives birth. Let's say a few words on that already. Yalad is a verb that reflects the action of giving birth by a mammal. That's it. It's technical. Now, remember earlier, Eve was given the name Eve by her husband, and the explanation is that she is mother of all living, mother of life. And that becomes very important because in the Bible, only Women are connected with the verb yalad, not man. And this is where the Greek does not reflect the original. For the Greek, genisen could apply to a man and to a woman. We have it in the genealogy of Matthew. And that is really something very important to point out, because today you see how men talk, we are pregnant, we give birth, and so on. It doesn't work like that. A man does not give birth. It's the woman that gives birth. And this 
will appear very clearly in chapter 5, where the verb used to speak about man giving birth, the way we refer to it, the form is the fifth verbal form, which is the hif'il, which has the connotation of making someone else give birth which means the man gives birth ultimately through the woman. And that will become a central point at the beginning of chapter 6, where the author uses it magisterially to belittle man and his machoism. But we will have to wait for that. For the time being, this verb, yalad, is applied to Eve. But notice what she says, because kain is from a root that means to own, to possess, to acquire. And she says, I have acquired kaniti. Notice, kain and kaniti is from the same root. Ish, with the Lord. Notice how the human being is ultimately a gift by the Lord. And you see now the importance as to why woman gives birth. It is ultimately a gift from the Lord. The addition with the help of the Lord is wrong. It is with the Lord. But Eve uses the word ish. It is as though the text says she is getting back at the man from whom, as ish, she is as isha. Now, in her turn, she produces the ish. And that brings us back to the tension of which the text spoke in chapter 3. Again, I'm stressing the original. It's already there. Everything is there. And then we hear that she also gave birth to his brother. Notice how his brother is before Hebel. So the stress is that the second child is exactly like the first, but instead of reflecting power of possession, he is nothing. And Hebel is given the priority. Notice how we have an inversion that parallels what we had in Genesis 1, 3 to 5. We have first darkness and then light, but God first names the light. Here, Hebel comes second, but he is introduced first as being shepherd of flock, and I spoke enough about that. So let's move to Cain, who was servant or tiller of the ground. So Cain was, if you like, Adamic, essentially. He was linked to the Adama. Whereas Hebel, as shepherd of flock, he was dealing with other living beings, Nefesh Haya, the flock, and also his family. And 
verse 3 says that Cain offered from the fruit of the ground minha to the Lord, which is a word that will be used later in the law. It's the basic offering. But Habel, he offered from the firstlings of his flock. This is very interesting because it reflects the fact that Habel had to kill the animals. And that reminds us of the skins, garments of skin in chapter 3. We have this dilemma how life, when it is eliminated, it is not something that is technically allowed. It is as though God's hand is forced. That is why the first thing as an expression of life, ultimately, if it is destroyed, it is destroyed as an offering to God, meaning that the control of life is ultimately in the hands of God, as we shall see soon, that God will not allow anyone to kill Cain. So this text is really very loaded to put it simply. And the Lord accepted the offering. Again, notice how the offering of Abel is referred to as minha at the end of verse 4. It is an offering ultimately to God. One does not kill in order to kill. And this will be dealt with again at the end of the flood story. But God did not accept the offering of Cain the way he accepted the offering of Abel. Let's go back to the Hebrew and hear again the play. The verb accepted is sha'ah, but in the form in which it appears in conjunction with Abel, sha'ah is in verse 5, but in verse 4, wayisha'ah. It's the wow consecutive, which is a technical form in Hebrew. I talked about it way back in the intro. Yisha'ah very interestingly, reminds us of the sound of yasha, to save. Remember last time we talked about shub and yashab, and so this play is present in the text. That's all I can say, that the author is preparing you to all this lexicon vocabulary that will be used later, and I pointed that several times already in Genesis 2 and 3. And Cain was unhappy, and God tells him that he should deal with the reality of life without falling into sin. We have here a mention of sin for the first time. Let's hear it. Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, watch out. I'm following the English, although the Hebrew is more complicated, but let's settle for that, that it is couching at the door. That's what we have in verse 7. Actually, the opening of sin, it's like the mouth of the sin that is open and it is couching, waiting for you to fall into its trap. And here we have reference to, again, reference to chapter 3, where we have the same verbs that were used about the relationship of the woman with her husband. Okay, remember that man will rule over woman and the yearning of the woman will be towards the man. Here, the yearning of sin is towards Cain and Cain is supposed to rule over sin. Now, this verse obviously is there to prepare us to understand what is happening in the following verses in conjunction with the action of Cain towards Abel. And Cain says to Abel, his brother, and while they were in the sade, notice in the field, the field is the reflection of the ground on which everybody lives. And Cain stood up and slew his brother. In the original, we don't have any reason. It is the action that is underscored. Now, when the hearer hears this verse after the preceding one, then the hearer concludes that Cain technically did not rule over the threat of sin, but he fell into it. He eliminated a life that was made by God. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.